And now, an all-new WB event. Guardian. Defender. Legend. For years, a single force has ruled the night, battling Gotham's most notorious villains. Now, the greatest hero of all time is about to face his true destiny. Journey into the future as the WB presents a new era in the Dark Knight's legacy. And now, Batman Beyond. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things The Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email. Just shoot those emails to TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, I know you were saying goodnight to your son. How are you, buddy? <laughs> yeah, he, he was trying to say hello to you, actually, as he was uh, coming down here. But yeah, uh, <laughs> what's going on, Eric? Way to, great way to start this one, right? Um, uh, yeah, good to good to be back talking more Batman with you. And uh, yeah, we get the excitement of seeing the the hectic schedule we have trying to put me trying to have the kids put to bed by a certain time so we can record. And it always lines up perfectly, doesn't it? It, do, it does. Well, you know, um, and this is the mark of just the professionalism that we have as podcasters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Schedu scheduling when we have dinner, you know, saying goodnight to kids, things like that. So yeah. here we are. Uh, but anyway, um, so. On, a, on our last episode, we kind of said a farewell not only to 2023, but to the DCEU. Um, but there's so much going on this year. This is a massive year for Batman. Uh, this is the 85th anniversary of Batman this year. Um, it's also the, I believe that's right. You're looking questioning, Joe. <laughs> I was trying to do the math in my head. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> 85th anniversary of Batman as a whole. And then we also, we have the upcoming 35th anniversary of Batman 89 this year, which is wild. And today we have another anniversary to talk about because 25 years ago in January of 1999, we got a little animated show uh, called Batman Beyond. And that's what we're celebrating today. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to talk all about the pilot. We're going to talk about the mark that Batman Beyond has left on the mythos of Batman. And we're going to, you know, just dive into all things Batman Beyond. But before we get there, of course, 
I do have to give a shout out to our partner sponsor in Organic Priced Books. Now, you guys have heard me talk about Organic Priced Books on the podcast for quite a while now. Um, They've been a great partner for us. I've bought several books from them by now myself. Uh, But if you're looking for a book, and these are collected editions, it's not just Marvel and DC, although they do have those. You can get IDW, Dynamite, Boom Studios, all the major brands and the independent brands. Um, So if you're looking for a way to save on those collected editions and also to support this show while you do so, go to the description in the in this podcast, use our link there and use our promo codes. The first is TFR Batpod, and that saves you two dollars off of any order. And the second is TFR Batpod, ship it together, and that will save you five percent off any order of three or more books. So make sure you guys go over and check out organic priced books. Joe, I told you yesterday, I believe, and I didn't know this was a thing until I was searching organic priced books. Since we're talking Batman Beyond, there is a Batman Beyond collection coming out for the 25th anniversary and it's coming. The pre-orders are live now, so you can go to organic Price books and pre-order that if you want to. Um, but it's, it's coming in March, I believe. So it's a celebration of the 25 years. I didn't realize, I don't think, that the comic came out the same year as the show. So they started up the Batman Beyond comic in 99 as well. And now they have what they're calling a compendium. It's like 720 pages, full collection of the original Batman Beyond run. Uh, The only downside is I was telling you it's paperback. What do you think of that, Jess? That's the compendium thing is that's what I didn't realize. It's not an omnibus. It's a compendium. I don't know if that's how DC is going to differentiate. It's one of those things where take the good and the bad. It's I wouldn't have even expected a Batman Beyond collection, to be honest with you, but it's nice that they're doing one. It is just unfortunate that it's not getting the full omnibus treatment that we've been lucky enough to get on so many different DC books. But it is what it is. I know they've been doing this a lot with um, like deluxe edition. I mean, they keep calling them deluxe editions, but like they're 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 trades. It's just they're they're larger format trades. I guess is why they're considered yeah. deluxes still. Um, yeah, it's it's a little disappointing for me because I much prefer hardcover, but it is what it is. I'm. I guess we'll just be thankful that we're getting something. And I had never read any of these issues. I don't know about you. I think I've read a handful, um, but it's been so long. Um, I've never mm-hmm. read the full run. It's kind of like with the Batman Adventures. You know, I do. I did get that omnibus, and that's that's what's kind of the bummer about the compendium, quote unquote, is because I'd love a Batman Beyond uh, omnibus to stick on the shelf beside my exactly. Batman Adventures omnibus. Um, but it, it's such a dorky thing to want the, the spines yeah. to line up next to each other and look good on the shelf, right? <laughs> yeah, because I can't put a a paperback beside my hardcover. Yeah. So I just can't. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't lie. I'm still tempted just because I've never read that full run and it would mm. be awesome to have a collected. I mean, I could read it on DC universe, but I don't know. It'd be cool to have it. So mm. I'm on the fence about it, but if you're considering it, organic price books does have uh, a discount for you on that book. So go check it out or any other collected edition you're interested in picking up. So don't forget to go check out organic price books. Um, but Joe, Let's get into it. Let's talk about the show that we're here to talk about. Let's dive all into Batman Beyond.
All right, Joe. So, you and I have talked about Batman Beyond here and there. Um, I think especially when Holy Batcast was doing their coverage, uh, mm-hmm. rewatching the show and covering it episode by episode, um, which is not what we're going to do. We are going to discuss uh, the pilot. Joe and I both watched the pilot in anticipation of this episode. Um, So we're going to review kind of the pilot, and then we're going to talk about the impact of the show overall. But this show began airing on January 10th, 1999, so 25 years ago and a couple of so odd days. But Joe, I was telling you the other day, this show premiered in primetime. So the first two episodes premiered as kind of a mega episode in primetime in 1999. So apparently Batman, uh, Batman and Robin didn't completely kill Batman in the late (laughs) nineties because it was still worthy of a primetime show. And I didn't remember this until I was doing a little research for this show and you and I talked about it. I don't think you watched the show as it was starting to come out. Did you? And, and I didn't either. I caught it later. So tell me a little bit about your background and your history with Batman beyond. I have very little history with Batman Beyond at all. Um, I wasn't even really aware of the primetime special, um, which talk about just different times like that. That like never happens nowadays um, with these, you know, primetime cartoon premieres. Uh, But back then I was aware of the show kind of in the background, but I mean, was not my thing. Like I, I, I was probably that, you know, older kid that was kind of like what like what is what are they doing like that's not batman to me um not something i was interested i didn't know even what the deal was i don't even think i knew that bruce wayne was in the show i really don't even remember what my even baseline knowledge of the show was back then and my introduction to the show was eventually being talked into seeing batman return of the joker Uh, or Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which I think is probably pretty common for the people that didn't see the show when it first aired. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially people our age, because it wasn't for us at that time. And if you missed it, I think Batman Beyond Return of the Joker was your gateway into it, or at least your first introduction to it, whether you decided to pursue it further or that was enough. Yeah, and and for me, it's it's the same situation. You know, I really got introduced to this show through the movie, through Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. And it was even a little while after that, and I think I realized, because a big thing for my sister and I, when we were growing up, was Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. And when I finally realized that Will Friedle, Eric from Boy Meets World, was Terry McGinnis, Batman Beyond, I I was like... Well, that is so cool because I have such a history of watching him on television. I got to catch up with this. And then, of course, you know, realizing through the movie that, you know, our Batman from Batman, the animated series was, you know, in this show. And I think at that point it clicked that I don't think I realized when this first started coming out that this was a continuation of Batman, the animated series. Like, I don't think I realized that. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I don't think I did either. Right. Yeah. So when I found out, you know that I, it was kind of a little more exciting um, than just knowing we have a younger Batman. Because yeah. when I first heard of this, I really felt like this was trying to capture the momentum of um, Spider-Man Unlimited, I think, mm-hmm. which was coming out at the time. 
Um, and it, and it very much is that, but having said that, I think when you go through and watch this show, it does stand on its own two feet. It has a lot that's really good about the show itself. Now, do I think it's as good as Batman, the animated series? No, I don't. But I do get a lot of enjoyment out of watching the show here and there, and especially Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. That's a fabulous animated movie. Um, but as I said earlier, Joe and I did watch the pilot, the two-episode pilot. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, for a little while today. And we're going to do this the same way we did Batman the Animated Series. I have a synopsis here. I am going to go through the synopsis really quickly. And then we're going to break down and talk about the two episodes. So in 2019, so a couple of years ago now, <laughs> Bruce Wayne, the original Batman, retires due to failing health when his rescue of a kidnapped woman nearly goes wrong and he must resort to almost using a gun the ultimate sin in his eyes. 20 years later, in 2039, high school student and former delinquent Terry McGinnis discovers Batman's identity after the aging Bruce Wayne helps him fight off a gang of jokers, street punks enamored by the original clown prince of crime. After Terry's father is murdered, Terry seeks Bruce's help to avenge him. Terry steals the Batsuit to pursue his father's killer, a professional bodyguard named Mr. Fix, whose employer Derek Powers, the current CEO of Wayne Powers, is secretly using the company's resources to develop a biological weapon. Bruce Wayne, angered upon discovering the theft, deactivates the suit, but when seeing the now helpless Terry being punched out, reactivates it, and after the latter convinces him to allow Terry to continue pursuing Fix, by relating his father's murder to Wayne's own parents. In the end, Wayne realizes that crime and corruption are running rampant around Gotham City, and Wayne appears at Terry's house to hire him as a special assistant. Um, so, Joe, you watched uh, the, the two-part premiere. Tell me, um, going back and watching this again, because I know it's probably been, what, since Holy Batcast covered it, that you watched these episodes? Probably. Yeah, I may have seen these once prior to that, mm -hmm. and that's really it. Well, I'll preface it by saying I think this show had a really, really strong start. Mm -hmm. um, but what did you think of the two-episode pilot? Well, I, I think it does a really great job of establishing that this is... Well, I guess... It could stand on its own. I mean, yeah, it's it's Batman the Animated Series because it's Kevin Conroy playing Batman, but it doesn't call back to it directly. Um, mm -hmm. It could be on its own. If you had never seen Batman the Animated Series and you were a, a younger child and you're watching this for the first time, you don't need any prior knowledge other than, hey, this is Bruce Wayne. He's Batman. He's a little older now. Um, I think this show does a good job of calling back to Batman and his, you know, obviously you got the Joker gang, like calling back to past criminals. Um, and then you got this. Uh, it's really a strong gripping opening. Um, the first scene to me is the best part of this pilot, but I do think it's a strong pilot. It's just, it's hard for someone that grew up with Bruce Wayne as Batman to watch something like this and get as invested in it as I did with Bruce Wayne as Batman. But mm. I think the show, the credit to the show is that 
it can at least make me interested enough because Bruce Wayne plays such a huge part where, but if you don't have that, you still have the interest from the younger kids that don't have, you know, the, the prior um, love for Batman, the animated series, they get invested on the new characters and that's more geared towards them, which Mm -hmm. this show is geared more towards them than us. I think whatever they get from us is a bonus as far as viewership. Yeah, I agree. And I really think what was so strong about this episode or these two episodes is the reasoning that they came to to get Bruce out of the caping cow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that his body was failing him. He wasn't able to go as he as he once did. And then in a desperate moment, he has to pull a gun on someone, you know, to to not only save someone that he's that he's there to protect but also himself because he's in such a bad situation and his body will not do what he needs it to do to do the job of batman anymore mm-hmm. um and then he said i i think it's i think it's so impactful when you see him hang the suit up in the cave and you know he closes the case and he says i think never again mm-hmm it's just it's such an impact because he can't do it anymore and he's not going to sink to that level to continue to be Batman. Um, so I, I think that's really strong. And then, you know, the the way we go through the episode with finding out about Terry's father's death and then him stealing the bat suit. So, you know, a little bit of a of a Tim Drake situation where he becomes Batman by sheer will. Like, I'm going to do this. Kind of mm-hmm. like how Tim Drake became Robin. He steals the suit and he goes out and he, he wants to uh, avenge his father's death, much in the very same way that Bruce has spent his whole life avenging his parents' death. And that's what's the ultimate factor in convincing Bruce that he should be Batman. And so I, I think that whole storyline, taking everything else out of the episode, just those story beats, makes this a really strong opening. And that that's essentially the first part. I mean, that's that is the focal point of the episode or of even the two parter is showing you why we need to care about Terry McGinnis as a character. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they they start off the episode with him defending a random person on the subway, if I remember correctly, like or, um, you know, yeah. so they they show his altruism from the start. Yeah, they're they're establishing him as just a good person. And that's how he meets Bruce is he's, you know, they're coming after him and he ends up, you know, right at Wayne Manor. And then you get a cool, you know, action scene of him and Bruce fighting side by side against the Joker gang. <laughs> so they do a really good job of getting And there's not a lot of Batman action in the first part. It's it's the early Bruce Wayne stuff where you mm-hmm. it's really tough to see him in pain. I mean. You watch that and you think like, is he having a heart attack? Like that's how they like kind of depict it, but he doesn't get any medical attention from the heart attack. So like, it's something they leave it very vague on what he actually is experiencing. Yeah. But I do think it's a good setup because later that's what leads Terry to realizing he's Batman because he has to take Bruce into Wayne Manor to get his medication. They don't say what it's for, but Mm -hmm. clearly I think they're clearly setting up that he has a heart issue. Yeah. Cartoon um, logic there with, or, or futuristic cartoon logic where, Oh, you have a heart attack. Just take some medication and yeah, it goes away. That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's got really high blood pressure. Hey, 
that can cause a cardiac event. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, I, I love the setup. I love kind of the passing of the torch aspect of the, of the two part pilot. Um, I'll be honest. I think these, these two episodes are two of the strongest episodes of the entire series. Mm-hmm. And I do think the first season is the strongest season. And they've, they've, they've kind of said that a lot. The, the creators of the show, Bruce, Tim has been very vocal that he does not think uh, seasons two and three are as strong as season one. And I think that's because they had to tailor it. They had to tailor uh, seasons two and three to a, a little bit of a younger audience. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you clearly Bruce Tim is not that guy. Like mm-hmm. he, he, he does make children's television, but he very much so in the style of Batman, the animated series, he likes an edge. He likes it where yeah. people of all ages can enjoy it. So mm-hmm. it, yeah, he's been very vocal. He's not crazy about the, the season two and three. Um, having said that, uh, one thing that really surprised me looking back on these episodes is I didn't realize that they set up blight you know, Derek powers alter ego uh-huh. in the very first episode. I had yeah. forgotten that. I, I don't know if you remembered that or not Th- that I did remember. Cause that's pretty, that's pretty big in this episode. And yeah, I do remember that. And I remember powers playing a huge part in the episode as well. Um, it's the other stuff that's a little foggy for me as far as how like the, the controversy with the, um, the chemical warfare, whatever you want to call it, the chemical agent that he's introducing. And that's what ends up turning him into blight. The other guy that gets, I mean, they do essentially kill that one man that they kind of just like, let oh, go. Yeah. Um, they kill an animal off screen, which was horrific. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what kind of animal it was now, but it was like, they literally like, they kill him and then they just pan away as the, the animal is dosed with this medicine, like, or the, uh, the warfare. So it's, it's definitely a little rougher around the edges. Um, one of those things yeah. that because it's not shown, the kids can, you could say, ah, oh, he's fine, but yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and another thing that I really like about the, the premiere here is you're not only setting up Terry as, as the new Batman, you're also setting up the ultimate villain of the series and Derek powers. And not only there's a conflict between him and Terry, because we know that um, powers has set up the death of Terry's father, Mm -hmm. but there's also this conflict between Bruce Wayne and Derek powers because powers has ultimately taken over Wayne enterprises and Bruce is not pleased over what he's doing with Mm -hmm. the company. Um, Yeah. Especially once he finds out he's making basically poison. So, yeah, it's I think it's a really again, it's a really wrong, wrong strong, excuse me, <laughs> way to start the uh, the series. And I think had I watched this from the beginning, I think these two episodes probably would have gotten me on board to watch concurrently. So I think it's at the age I was at the time, kind of like you said, and the the. Yeah. the the stink of Batman and Robin had me turned off of it for a little while. So, but yeah, I, I will admit, you know, Batman begins eventually really, really got me back into Batman, but Batman beyond return of the Joker was really a selling point as well for getting me back invested in Batman because those two pieces are so strong that it was, it, yeah, it's a long, goes a long way to get you back into the fold. Well, that's one thing I wanted to bring up is I don't remember when I actually watched Return of the Joker for the first time. It was not when it came out. 
I oh, remember really? see- yeah, I remember seeing it when it came out on DVD in a store somewhere, like at a Target or something. And I remember going like, huh, I wonder what that is. Like they brought the Joker back for Batman Beyond. Like, I'm curious what that would be. I'm like, and I never really looked into it too much till way later. Because it came out mm. in 2000. Yeah. I don't think I saw it until probably 2004, 2005. It, that's interesting. So I, I definitely know I saw it when it came out because it was, um, I think I've told you this before because we we covered Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. If I don't, if I remember correctly, didn't we? I don't think we did. Or maybe maybe we talked about it when we ranked the the uh, the animated movie. yes maybe so i remember specifically um we were on kind of a because my my aunt and uncle lived um several hours away from us growing up they lived in the mountains of north carolina so we were on kind mm-hmm. of a family trip to go visit them and it was premiering uh while we were there i want to say cartoon network was where mm-hmm. it first aired and um, yeah, so I was flipping through the channels at my uncle's house and it and there was the big promo for it, you know, movie premiere, you know, big big to do tonight. So I decided to watch it then and I remember really liking it that night. So it, it I did see it the first night and then like I said it was a couple of years later when I realized that Will Friedel was Batman that I really dived into the series. Mm-hmm. Um because I think at that point it was coming on like Toonami or something like that is when I started watching the series. So several years after it had aired. Um, but Joe, did you have any other, did you have any other thoughts about the two episode pilot or are we good? No, just that I, I think it, yeah, I think I agree with you that if I did watch this when it first aired or if I had, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like I didn't watch it when it first aired, but when I watched return of the Joker, I went to check this out for the first time and it did kind of get me interested in the show. The show is Mm -hmm. not, you know, a show that I watch a lot. It's not like if I'm going to choose a Batman show to watch, I don't turn this on very often. There are a few episodes here and there that I'm into, and we'll get into that more as far as the show as a whole. Um, but I, I do think it does its job really well of getting you hooked to to kind of tune into the next week. And I think if I was yeah. at the right age, I think this would have really interested me. I'll admit, I didn't even watch Justice League and Justice League Unlimited when they aired. So it wasn't that I was against this show. It was that I really just wasn't watching a lot of DC animated stuff at this era anyway. Yeah. Just because of my age. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Again, yeah, I think the first two episodes really really give you a strong hook to get into the series and i do think that this show and the movie created a following for this character that's still going today i mean clearly you know because they brought him back for an episode of justice league for uh what was the the episode was epilogue Epilogue. Yeah. yeah so they brought him back for that um which has a controversial twist as well which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a little bit um and then you know Ever since then, he's had his own several comic series. I think he's got one that's ongoing right now. Um, he's been included in video games. He's an alternate skin in the in the Batman Arkham games. He's been um, a member of like a futuristic Justice League in the comics. He has, yeah, yeah absolutely. And then uh, he also, as recently as last year, he was in. He had uh, another comic series with Batman Beyond the White Knight. Um, oh yeah. 
Yeah, so Sean Gordon, uh, Gordon Murphy, who clearly loves the animated Batman universe, um, brought Terry into his comic world as well. And I thought that was really, really well done. So, yeah, he's a character who I don't think he'll ever quite be as as popular or as sought after as Bruce Wayne Batman. Mm -hmm. But he does have a follow. And this show, I would even say, has a little bit of a cult following. So... I, yeah, I think he it did enough, and this is one thing that that whole universe had a habit of doing, like with Harley Quinn and things like that. It did enough where it created a character that is now in Batman canon and is a, a firm part of Batman mythos. And it becomes like a, a choose-your-own-ending as far as the where Batman's timeline goes when mm -hmm. he retires, I think. And I think that's good because like you have your, your Dark Knight Returns fans that are going to take that as what they believe to be the the later years Batman mm -hmm. this established in the animated series obviously but you could kind of have it either way and I think I think the show did a really good job of even the people that don't particularly love the show I don't know anyone that resents the show or hates the show so it's not mm -hmm. like they hate when Terry shows up in other things and no. I think that says a lot about the show where it does have at least a tolerance from people, which it let's be honest, as sad as this is going to sound in the comic book world, tolerance is pretty rare when it comes to stuff like this. So anytime there's not a huge um, uproar when something like this happens, I mean, who knows what would have happened if this just came out this year, but at least now people kind of have embraced Harry, even if they don't love him, it's still okay to have him around and, and be a, part of the universe well and i look at it as you can tell when a character really works like one of these characters that takes over a mantle and you can tell when they don't um for instance i don't think luke fox works as batman people haven't embraced that um, much in the same way that like ben riley didn't click with people as spider-man but you've got Miles Morales and you've got Terry McGinnis, and those are accepted alternate versions of these beloved characters. And I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, one more thing I did want to bring up about the show itself. I mean, we were talking about the the comic series and, and the different iterations and things like that. I mean, this alongside Batman, the animated series, we also got the, we also got a Blu-ray collection that was released. Oh gosh, what was it? 2019? Is that when it was? I don't remember, but I have it as well. Now, do you have the one that came with the little Funko? Yeah, he's right there. Oh, I see him. Okay. I, I <laughs> yeah. must say too, I love the fact that you change your background just for me when we're recording. Just for you, because nobody else sees this. Yeah, like, I love that you put different things like you have your Batman Beyond uh, you know, collection up there now. I don't I don't change anything on my background. My background's just kind of the wall. You're stuck with my, my ceiling almost is the way my thing goes, but I, I do yeah. love that. Yeah. Mine. Um, yeah, I did actually own, I do own that. Um, it was cool. Cause it came with the full size Funko where the animated series one came with the mini Funkos, the pocket Funkos. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Okay. I don't yeah. Know. They're, they're, they're yeah. tiny little, little things. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's a beautifully, mastered series much like batman the animated series the interesting part that i wanted to bring up with you so this series was 52 episodes mm -hmm. so all but 11 episodes were remastered and i know you're the you're the audio 
audiovisual guy. So I don't know if you had ever heard that before, but there's 11 episodes of this series that did not get remastered because of something wonky or wrong with the original master file. But they're on the sets still. They're on the sets, they're but they're not remastered. remastered. Yeah. It's funny because I don't even think I noticed it while I was watching through the series. So they're, it's not like they're just, they're not in standard death. They're just, they didn't go back to the original prints to really fully remaster them. I guess. Yeah. I, I just thought say, it was. I will say I watched them on HBO Max. Mm. I didn't watch the Blu-rays themselves. So I don't know if, you know, on HBO Max, they just brighten them up to make it look matching of the other ones. Um, yeah, I'm maybe. Sure. I don't That's know. That's interesting. Especially since I remember hearing that, but I never looked too much into it. But I, re- it's very interesting considering this show is newer than Batman the Animated Series. And I do not remember that being the case for the Animated Series. No, they but upscaled. They, yeah, they all of those yeah. were remastered. Um, and Batman Beyond Return of the Joker got a remaster as well. So it's just that there's 11 random episodes and I don't even know which ones they are. So it would be interesting to find that out and yeah. kind of compare. But yeah, so neat fun fact about the Batman Beyond uh, Blu-ray set is hmm. there's 11 episodes floating out there that are not remastered. Um, but Joe, you had mentioned some other episodes and, and I'm glad you did this because I really didn't even think about this. There were some that stuck out to you. Is that what you were telling me? Well, I think for us, the ones that stick out are the ones that grab our attention by bringing back a classic villain. Mm. You have the Mr. Freeze episode, which I think is okay. I think the Raz al Ghul episode is excellent. With uh, I think it's with Talia, actually, more than Raz, if I remember correctly. Um, yes. I have a soft spot for the Ace episode because I I love Ace the Bad Hound. Frank Frank Welker was the voice of Ace, by the way. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, because of course he was. Um, but what else are those? Are those so one that I know I'm missing one that sticks out to me is is the Mister Freeze episode. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think they just they did a great job with that. Mister Freeze was creepy. In the episode, and it carries over from the great Mr. Freeze episodes that we had in Batman the Animated Series. But what I'm hearing from you, and what I, I definitely agree with, is when they kind of went back to Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Of course, for us, that was a standout. Um, so yeah, and I agree. I think one of the biggest issues with this show um is that they never really they never really made the Batman beyond villains have the same impact that the, the traditional Batman villains did. Hmm. Like you never could, you never could grip, get a grip on these, these new villains. Um, I think blight is the standout and he's carried over into some other things. Um, but maybe ink, maybe ink is the next highest. I don't know. What do you have any, any favorite Batman beyond villains? Honestly, I think Ink is the only one that I would even remember besides Blight. Um, I think Holy Batcast discussed this a lot when they were doing their recap of the series. Mm-hmm. When you look back at it, the animated series, almost every villain was established already when you went into an episode. So mm-hmm. you didn't have to take time 
to show the character's origin and all that, because we all knew who those characters were. And when you think about the ones that did get origins, they were two-parters. Clayface got a two-parter. Two-Face got a two-parter. Yes. Um, in this show, you had to introduce a new character, turn him into a villain, and then wrap up the episode all in 21 minutes. Not to mention the fact that you also had Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis with some type of conflict going on. Like there was, there was a lot to put into an episode in this series to grab everybody. And it's mm -hmm. not an easy task. And I think the villains were the ones that probably got shortchanged, which I don't think there's anything you could do to avoid that because you have to put the focus on Terry and Bruce and, and everything else going on. Not to mention, we, we forgot to mention that Barbara plays a big part in the show, um, she does. which is cool. Um, Barbara being the She's police now. Commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there's a lot the show had to accomplish. And I think for what it did, trying to establish new villains in this universe is probably the hardest thing because Batman has the best rogues gallery in comics in our, I'll say in our opinion, I, I think I'm not speaking out of turn saying that, um, it's, it's tough to come up with new ones. For a Batman show, I mean, think about how hard it is for comic writers now to come up with new villains in regular Batman comics, trying to come up with futuristic Batman villains that don't have ties to anything established. I mean, or you could kind of tie them in. It's It's got to be a really daunting task, especially in a 21 minute episode. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at the recent run on Batman um, was it James Tinian not long ago. It, it, it felt like he was creating a Batman villain every, every new issue and, and none of them. Up. No, none of them stuck. Mm -hmm. um, and they tried and it actually, their hardest. it wore people out a lot of reading the comic because yeah. they got, you know, it's, it's sad because we want as comic fans, we are, our own worst enemies. We want original stories, but we want familiar stories. You know, yeah. it's, it's not an easy thing to put up with when you're a writer is, yeah, we, we want yeah. you to be, we want you to be creative and bold and take new steps, but we're very uncomfortable with change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Our worst fans cannot relate. <laughs> we're not going to open that can of worms. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and I know this is this is going to sound exactly like the the Scott Snyder fanboy that I am, but I'm, I think the last big villain segment that stuck with Batman fans was the Court of Owls that was oh, newly introduced. I don't think that's yeah. I mean, and and think about this: he did the Court of Owls. I'll even say he got greedy and tried to establish another one in the Bloom, and it did and not it didn't work. work. No, it's and, hard. And Bloom and was a cool you, villain. I like that story. Yes. But it didn't. A lot of people did not like that. So, and I also wonder if Bloom would have worked better if it was Bruce Wayne, because maybe more people would have taken to it. But I'm sorry, not if Bloom was Bruce Wayne. Um, I spoke that too quickly. If, if Batman Bloom was, was, yeah, if Bruce Wayne was currently Batman at the time of introducing Bloom, maybe we would have gotten more invested. But it's hard to say. Um, and I don't hate that character, but also he's introducing these characters in long form. He's not introducing them in one issue. And that is really hard. And and I think when we when we think about in a comic, if you're introducing a villain in, in a one-issue story, you're probably not even expecting that villain to return. You're just telling a really quick one-off story. Yeah. If you want that villain to return, you're going to start with a sweeping story to get people invested in a long form. Yeah, and that's that's what makes me very curious to read 
like the the original run of the Batman Beyond comics, because I want to see how some of these villains might have translated into that form. You know, yeah. maybe I'd have a better grip on Shriek or Ink or some better of these other characters. Stories. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very curious about that. But again, going back to what we were saying, I, I the standouts for us because of all these reasons were the 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 original villains like one moment that really sticks out to me is the episode where they where they visited bane and it showed you you know because he's in like a he's in a wheelchair he's in a nursing Mm -hmm. home and it shows you kind of the effects of what venom all those years had on him Mm -hmm. and that had more impact than than most of the new villains that they were creating because it's like holy crap look what look what's happened to this character we've we've known for so long but it's also us being the the nostalgia junkies as well, because we just like we we watch this show because we care about Batman and we're kind of along for the ride. It's not our Batman, but we'll we'll do whatever you want. Like, we'll we'll check it out here and there. But then it's like, oh, wait, Bane, like I remember him like he, I, he's my. Villain. Yeah. And and you just have that different like you just sit up a little in your seat like, oh, Bane, like I'm, I'm, I'm or we're getting a Mr. Freeze episode like cool. It's kind of like back in the day with Batman 66 when they would introduce like, hey, on next week's episode and you waited to hear who it was. And then it would say like, you know, uh, Lily the Lilac. And you're like, who the heck is that? You know, (laughs) (laughs) well, it just goes to show you nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Yeah, without a doubt. So um, and then the biggest thing that I did want to ask you about, because I know this is a sticking point with a lot of people, especially traditionalists with Batman. What do you think of the Beyond suit? Honestly, I've always, I think I've said this before. I There's something about black and red that just always looks so cool to me. I love the color scheme of black and red. Mm-hmm. As far as, I mean, the suit itself, it's a futuristic Batman suit. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I think it works. And I think because it's been around for so long and... I don't remember seeing it when it was first revealed to care one way or the other. I've just kind of, yes, yeah, Batman Beyond suit. Like it, I don't have a, a jarring first look at it. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just what I remember is the Batman Beyond suit and the wings are the only thing that's a little odd, but also I think a Cape would be weird if he was flying around with the Cape. Like I think that, I think it's a good happy medium. He's got the bat ears. He's got, you know, a belt. <laughs> He's got the bat logo on the crest. I think it's more jarring for me to see Bruce in the suit in the first episode than it is for me to see Terry in it. I tell you, one thing I noted, I really thought about when we were watching it this time, though, I love the size differential they make. Mm-hmm. Like, because you can clearly see when Bruce is in the suit, he's a lot bigger than Terry. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, Terry's muscular and all that. I mean, he's he's a fit guy in the in the show and and Deb, but you can see a clear difference between Bruce Wayne in that suit and Terry in that suit, which kind of brings up a logistical question of how it doesn't look like, you know, it's sagging on Terry when he's wearing <laughs> oh, it. That's, but that's the back that's, of the future effect where they push the button and it form fits. That's how I. Yeah. Took yeah. It. Gotcha. Now. So <laughs> is there a time jump from when he hangs up the suit to when we're introduced to Terry? Yeah, yeah. So um the How many opening years is it? The opening of the show is 2019. So and then when we meet Terry it's 2039. So it's 20 years Oh, past. it's 20 years. Okay. It was, so it's a long yeah. time. I don't remember. I couldn't remember that. So and Bruce, the only thing that bothers me about Bruce being in the suit is 
There is no flight to Bruce's suit, correct? In the opening? Yeah, does he fly? In that I suit? think he does. I think he does. Oh, okay, because it, it's weird to me to see Bruce without a cape. That yeah. is a little strange to me. But other than that, I think for Batman Beyond, I think the the, the suit is fine. For for Terry, I don't have an issue with the, the suit. I, I do like that even in this futuristic world that we're in, um, Terry goes out of his way to point out, even though they never changed the suit in the show, when when he's looking at the suit in the case, he's he goes out of his way to say it's obsolete but still cutting edge. <laughs> like even at this point, it's it's an old suit. Yeah. Um, but but they never change it. It's the one he mm-hmm. wears throughout the entire series. Um, but yeah, I, I've always liked the design. I, I like you, I like the red and black. I do really like the wings because I think it gives another pop of red, because otherwise this is a very, very black suit. Mm-hmm. My only quabble with this suit is I've never been crazy about the full face mask. Yeah. Like that covers the mouth. And it's one of those things that I don't know how it works. And it's right. always been yeah. the same thing with the, the Cassandra Kane Batgirl has that. And I don't understand if it's like, is it just like a really tight thing on their face? So you could see their face move while it's on. I'm not understanding of the logistics of it. I think is the hard part for me. Well, Cassandra's mouth is completely covered, right? Mm-hmm. Where his, you see his, like Terry, you see his teeth, and like when he's talking, you see his mouth open. So, oh, I, yeah. it's cartoon. That's cartoon logic, then. Yeah. So, and and you know, there's there's always been that beating the drum from a small yet vocal crowd that they want Batman Beyond in live action, and this is the biggest hang up to me is I have no idea how you do this. Oh, in I think you mind. just cover the face completely like a Spider Man costume. That's what I would do. I think that's, yeah, that's the only way to make it work. Yeah. So, but otherwise, I yeah, I've always had a I've always had a soft spot for this suit. Um, I really, I mean, not my traditional pick, of course. I like the classic bat suit, but yeah, I think this has come become almost kind of iconic on it on its own. This design, because you see it and you instantly know what it is and you yes. know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is not Bruce Wayne when you see this suit. So, uh, but yeah, twenty five years. which I was telling Ryan Lauer the other day, the worst part about this show being 25 years old is it makes me feel like extremely old. (laughs) Well, think about, we were just talking about how we were too old for this show when it started. And that's why we weren't into it. And and now now we're celebrating 25 years of it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe kind of to, to wrap it up on Batman beyond any, any last thoughts, anything else you, you wanted to bring up that we didn't get to. To me, the biggest takeaway from Batman Beyond will always be Ace the Bat-Hound. As stupid as that is, I love Ace. Um, we always had Ace as a character, but this show established Ace as Batman's dog for the uh, for the general audience, to me. And because I've always had a soft spot for dogs, and I, I mean, my dog is named Ace, um, I will always have a soft spot for the show for that, as trivial as that may be. But I just think the show, it did what it was supposed to do at the time. Like you said, it piggybacked off Spider-Man without a doubt. It tried to get that age group. And I think it did. It lasted three seasons. Mm-hmm. Not easy to do. Um, and it was a fun show that carried on the animated series' legacy. And I think yep. that, the I think legacy is an important word here because it did harken back to a lot of stuff 
And I think the fact that we got Return of the Joker from this, which when you think about Return of the Joker, most people have that as one of their top animated films or Batman films in general. And those are people that didn't even watch Batman Beyond when it first aired. And I'm one of those people. So this show brought a lot of good to Batman, a lot of just additional context for Batman as a character, um, showing that the legacy can be passed on eventually if need be. There's a lot of good stuff in this show, even if it's not one that I go back to a lot, because it's not it's not my Batman, as cliche as that is. Mm-hmm. But I do still enjoy it. And I'm glad that it has a place for so many people. Yeah, completely agree. Um, not my first pick when I want to watch something Batman, but it's definitely left an indelible mark on the mythos and the history of Batman. And again, as you said, I mean, Return of the Joker is a fantastic film. So, And that is one I will watch that much more often than I will revisit the series. And that gives you your taste of Batman Beyond that you want, and it also gives you that that nostalgia of batman the animated Uh series so it's a perfect pairing um but otherwise yeah this is for what it is this is a great show um and it's and it was really fun to revisit it with uh batcast when they did their rewatch and it was really fun to revisit the pilot here and yeah so it's one that i'll go back to here and there um but i'm so glad that it exists i'm so glad that it's part of the mythos and again i'm glad that he pops back up here and there because i I really enjoyed reading Beyond the White Knight. So I look forward to more sprinkles of Terry McGinnis here and there. But that's where we're going to tie up Batman Beyond. We're not quite ready to leave you guys yet, though, because uh, Joe doesn't even know this yet. But we have four emails, Joe. Oh. Um, yeah. So two of them are from Lee Anchorit. So I will go ahead and uh, give it a little bit of a a rub there because it one was a follow-up, <laughs> but it is, it is technically four emails. So let's start here with Lee's email. Lee says, hello, gentlemen, happy new year to you both. Hope you're well and had a brilliant festive period. Hopefully I've sent this email in time to catch your DCEU episode. If not, it's Joe's fault. As writing this email on my phone, I've attached screenshots of my full ranked letterbox list minus Aquaman 2, I'm afraid, as I haven't had a chance to see it yet. To save a bit of time, even though I know you love it when I send in an essay, my top three favorite films, BVS, Man of Steel, The Flash, my bottom three favorite films, JL-17, Suicide Squad 16, and Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I have loved every moment of this DC journey and genuinely didn't hate any part of what we saw on screen. I can even find a time and place to enjoy JL-17 when I'm in the mood. I will always be grateful for being given my favorite versions of on-screen Batman and Superman, Affleck and Cavill, and so in love with the fact that we got Keaton back for one last hurrah. My favorite moments include the Martha rescue, of course, Bruce serving Alfred coffee, the Trinity's first scene, and Superman's heart-wrenching decision to kill Zod to save Earth. Forgive me for not picking anything quirky. I'm doing this from memory, and those moments live rent-free in my head. Also, uh, do Margot Robbie and Gal Gadot, but that's for different reasons. Uh, My biggest surprise was Blue Beetle, which I thought was excellent. 
Like everyone else, I only wish we could have had this epic journey without the behind the scenes drama. This has been awful for everyone involved. I will miss this part of the cinematic universe dearly, but at least I have my 4Ks to keep me company forever. Thanks for everything you do. As always, all the best, Lee. And Lee did attach his uh, letterboxed rankings of the DCEU, but then he did send us a little follow-up. So let me pull that one up. He said, oh, follow-up. My new favorite scene remembered. Bruce running towards all the chaos and destruction at the start of BVS whilst everyone else runs away from it. Man, I love BVS so much. Well, Lee, thank you so much for uh, your essay that you sent in <laughs> and your follow-up there. Um, so, Joe, some nice thoughts from Lee about his memories of the DCEU. Uh, a little bit surprising that Fury of the Gods is dead last on his list. Um, so I, I was actually going to ask you that because I wanted to, he doesn't specify, but I think he's flipping them because he said, I can even find some enjoyment in about JL 2017. Is he giving you the bottom three starting with his bottom as JL 2017 or did he actually put the ranking in? So in the email, he had 13, 14, 15 with Fury oh. of the Gods being 15. Well, he's just um, blacked out. But let <laughs> Let me look at his letterbox ranking here. Yeah, Fury of the Gods, dead last. Wow. You know what, Lee? I can't. <laughs> I can't with him sometimes, man. But that's all right. No, that's fine. Um, I actually am impressed that he has the Flash at number three. Because we've actually been talking about the last few days about how we really love that film. And it's so mm. hard to distance ourselves right now from the, the drama and just the, the BS... Uh, narrative that has been like fabricated about that movie being so terrible lately when it started out that that movie was excellent and everyone just forgets how the reviews were good when that movie came out and even the fan reactions were good when that movie came out and and now all of a sudden it's everyone's worst movie so I'm happy that Lee was able to look past all that crap because I've had trouble with that Um, this Lee hit it uh, you know, right out of the park when he said we still have our 4Ks and nothing will take that away. This universe has been nothing but drama from start to finish. But now that it's all said and done, we have these movies and they'll stay with us forever. And I still just think this was like the, what is it? The little engine that could like <laughs> this. Yeah. This, this universe died every 10 minutes. It seems right. Like every film was the, was this the film that's going to, you know, save the DCU. And then the movie comes out and it bombs and it's like, yeah. okay, well that film didn't save it, but it didn't kill it either somehow. And we ended up with still 15, 15. Is that it? 15 movies? Uh, it's 16. 16 Cause he didn't 18. have Aquaman. Okay. Um, if you include both cuts of justice league, then it's 16. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. That's and peacemaker. Think. Yeah, and and I do uh, agree with you, Lee. Blue Beetle is is excellent. Yeah, I, I agree too. Um, definitely a pleasant surprise this year or last year. Um, so yeah, thank you, Lee, for the emails. Even though I think you're completely insane for having Shazam: Fury of the Gods dead last. I don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about there, but that's all right. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, Lee. Um, I really enjoyed going through your memories there of the DCEU. A lot of those are right up there at the top for me as well. So thanks again, buddy. We always appreciate when you write in. 
Our next email is from Stuart, Stuart from Guernsey, and he does say, Hey, Eric and Joe, my thoughts on Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I was going to. The forced humor didn't bother me so much, but it is the sort of thing that will bother me more over time. By the time I've seen the movie three to four times, that's when I will know for certain how much the film works for me overall. If you loved the first Aquaman, I can't see how the action and the visual effects won't work for you in this, but the jokes and puns that they include to get general audience invested or a laugh out of them can also be a hindrance if they're too on the nose, which I found they were in this, um, which won't work again once you've had your first laugh out of them. Patrick Wilson was brilliant. You can tell he's trying to do his best with what was given to him. Overall, I enjoyed it and look forward to seeing it again. I'm currently watching all the DCEU movies in chronological order, which will include Peacemaker. I'll also be figuring out my ranking as I go along. I've just got to Woman, Wonder Woman 84, so I won't be watching Aquaman 2 again until I'm caught up. Anyway, I hope you guys are doing well. Keep up the good work, Stuart. Well, thank you, Stuart. Um, and it sounds like it sounds like you and I were pretty close with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Um, yeah, and I agree with you. If you like the first one, so far as visual effects and action, I think it's it's right along line, the line there. And again, it, it was the humor that didn't work for me. And it sounds like you got a little more enjoyment out of the humor, but you don't know how it'll go in the future. So I, I got that. And let us know when you finish that rewatch where yours ranks. Um, but Joe, what'd you think of Stuart's email? Um, thank you for the email, Stuart. And yeah, I I agree with him. And, and I've had that experience in the past too with the humor where maybe on first viewing, you can kind of like, look past it a little bit or maybe some of the humor might work a little bit but it's on repeat viewings and i've had this experience this experience a lot with a lot of the recent marvel films where the humor is fine the first time you watch it but when you go to a rewatch and you're like oh like it's just over and over and you kind of feel like it's beaten to death i do worry that that's going to have the effect on me with aquaman and the lost kingdom but i hope it's not enough to take me out of the stuff that i did really enjoy about the movie so I understand where he's coming from with that. And I do hope that he uh, can look past the, the little, you know, faults of the movie and enjoy the stuff that he did enjoy the first time, because I think the rewatch, the rewatches for these films are important. That's, you know, we, we do watch these films a lot. We like to be entertained. We like to have that comfort of watching these movies over and over again. So if you, when you go to rewatch something that you kind of liked or even really enjoyed the first time and it doesn't have that effect the second time, it's really disheartening. And that's when you really know how you feel about the movie. Um, I will say it's when we're recording this um, only in a few more days, it will be available to purchase digitally. I want to say, did I say it was Tuesday or is it the 30th? I can't God, remember. God, now I can't remember. I thought it was the 30th, so I'm wrong. I, I don't think it's the 23rd. I think it's the 30th, the 30th, excuse me, for um the digital dropping. So either way, it's in January and we'll get to we'll get to experience it at home sooner rather than later. Yeah, and, and to your point, I mean a lot can change on a rewatch, especially if you've only seen it once in the theater. Um, so I'm curious to see it again and see how it works for me. Um, and it is, like you said, I mean, I just had that experience recently with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania because I told you coming out of the theater, I know I was kind of alone on that, but I I enjoyed that coming out of the theater. And then when I rewatched it, it did not work at all. So that's mm. that. it is disheartening. Um, so hopefully it's the flip for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. We'll see. 
But thank you so much for that email, Stuart. Um, and then moving on to our final email here. This is from Lucas Watkins. And Lucas says, hey, TFR, hope the new year is treating you well. I'm hoping we start to hear some news on the Batman Caped Crusader animated series. Like most Bat Bros, I grew up loving the Batman animated series co-created by Bruce Timm. Considering the legend is back at the helm with Caped Crusader, which looks to be a noir-style follow-up to BTAS, this is probably the highest level of anticipation I've ever had for any Batman project. The original Batman animated series was well-recognized for giving lesser members of Batman's rogues gallery incredible redesigns, as well as establishing their definitive origin stories, notably Mr. Freeze and Two-Face. They also created original characters for the show that have become iconic, Harley Quinn, the Grey Ghost. What villains in Batman's rogues gallery would you most like to see get a new makeover and possibly a new origin story in the upcoming Caped Crusader series? Any lesser known villains that you'd like to see brought to the forefront? I would absolutely love to hear you discuss this on the show. Also, do you think they will create new iconic characters for the Caped Crusader? Hope to hear your thoughts. Best regards, Lucas. Lucas gave us some homework here, Joe. <laughs> uh, awesome email, though, Lucas. I really appreciate you writing in. I think this is the first time we've had Lucas write in. So thanks, man. Um, we really appreciate that. And then, yeah, so Cape Crusader, it's a good episode to talk about this on since we're kind of talking the Bruce Tim universe anyway with Batman Beyond. So, Joe, what do you think? Any, uh, any, villains you'd like to see get a new makeover for the show and do you think any of them will get like a definitive origin story the way they did in the animated series as far as a makeover goes the first one that popped into my head for some reason was bane mm. um not necessarily that i want a makeover i just think he's a character that can be taken seriously and you can adjust his costume accordingly to whatever world you're trying to put him into. And as long as you, you don't have him like the, you know, the character he was in Batman and Robin, he could be done really well and really interesting. And I think I want to see him done. Um, I think we've talked about it before, kind of how we wished he was in Tom King's run. Cause I think Bane has done really well in that, run but there were other things we didn't like about that run but i think bane was established pretty well i want to see that you know that um master manipulator the master uh you know the guy that's really gonna um take over everything in and really try to manipulate the situation and and overpower batman mentally and physically that's what i want to see um mm. i know it's been done in other mediums before um, I still love the Dark Knight Rises. I think he's done really well there, but I can see something to that effect done in this show. The other one I thought of was Poison Ivy. I would love to see something really cool with Poison Ivy. I think she's overdue for oh, that's something a good really one. something really modern and really you know handle her really strong. I know she's great in Harley Quinn the animated series, but it's it's a different show. It's different you know take on the character, and I think she's really faithful in that show. I want to see like uh, a really foreboding poison Ivy as a villain. I think that'd be really cool. That's a really good one. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you on poison Ivy. Cause I didn't even think about that before you said it, but 
I think she is due for for kind of a freshening up. I mean, not something that drastically changes her, like kind of kind of like they did with some of the characters in the Batman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just a fresh reimagining on the way that she looks, I think would be would be great. And then so far as origin, like someone who could get a definitive origin out of this animated series, someone who I think I enjoy when I see them, but could really work with a little bit of retooling is the ventriloquist. I think you could take that character. I thought of when you said that, (laughs) yeah, you could take the ventriloquist and give him like a really twisted backstory over why he has this kind of disassociative, Mm -hmm. you know, disorder and why he, he uses the puppet as his confidence. Kind of, I think you could do a lot of things with that. And I think that creative team could definitely, give a spin on the ventriloquist that would be cool especially for animation i think that's the place to do that with the ventriloquist and Mm -hmm. scarface um yeah i didn't even think about an origin honestly does poison ivy have a definitive origin i mean the first unfortunately the first thing that pops batman and robin is batman right yeah yeah, with the yeah. Floronic Man creating her and Bane at the same time or whatever. Like, I don't know. Um, so I I don't she know. She could be a candidate, too. Yeah. So that would be cool to see her, like, really get some cool treatment. I, I think there are so many cool Batman villains. Um, and just, just, you know, I think the question is just great in and of itself of, we have heard nothing about this show. I mean, we just got a little bit of tidbits the last couple weeks about mm. them saying it's going to be more adult oriented, uh, a little edgier. Yeah. Um again, I I'm glad about that, but I also I don't I don't want to see it like uber adult. See, yeah, I don't want to see like the Invincibles. Uh, not not the is it the Invincibles? What, what the hell am I or Invincible? Invincible. I don't yeah. want to see that. You know, I you know, I I still want I want to I don't want to sound like the old man here, but I do want something that kids can at least be accessible of. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. it can be at least accessible for kids. But I I think going a little bit further than the the TV centers might go on a Channel 11 or like the CW back in the day, or even that was uh, Warner Brothers. Um, I think that's fine. But just don't go too far, in my opinion. I, I Young Justice, I think, is that perfect balance. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and so far as lesser known villains that we want brought to the forefront, that one's really tough. I'd, I'd have to put some thought into that. I don't know about lesser known, um, but one thing I would really like to see out of this show, and I think you could really do it if you get some longevity with the show, like if it's successful, I don't think I'd want this in the first season, but maybe in a season two or season three, as the fan I am, I would love to see like a season long arc where the Court of Owls are pulling the strings in Gotham. Mm-hmm. like where there's just like, you don't know it from episode one, but you, they start to plant seeds, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you learn that this is what's happening. And this is the, this is what Batman has to combat. I think in an animated series, the court of owls could work really well. It's funny. I, I agree with you. It's sad to me that the court of owls was so big when it came out and mm-hmm. then it, it became like, cool to say it's overdone but it was never done well other than the original comic in my opinion yeah we got court of owls on gotham you know like to me that's not where i want to see court of owls done well you know i want i want to see court of owls 
you know, we got the fun little nod to it in Harley Quinn, which was hysterical, but it's not yeah. the Court of Owls. Um, we did get him a little bit in an animated film, but not enough to really show the scope of what Scott Snyder was originally doing. So I do agree, like in a long form way of kind of teasing them here and there, that would be really fun. Uh, well, they're they're the best part of the Gotham Knights video game. I mean, that game's not great, but mm-hmm. the Court of Owls stuff is fun. But you're all, again, to my point, you're getting them where there's no Bruce Wayne. Yep. So that's not the perfect place that we want to see them. The whole point of no. The, so I I understand where people say, oh, the Court of Owls is kind of overdone at this point because we're seeing them in so many different mediums, but it's not the ideal places we want to see them, or at least for me, I'd, I'd rather see them in a better spot exactly. because I think they deserve it. But um, thank you for the question, though, uh, Lucas. It was that was that was a really good one. And the last one he had, really quickly. Do you think they will create any new iconic characters for Cape Crusader? I hope that so. One, yeah, I mean that's the only thing we can say on that was we hope so. Um, I think they will create new villains and new characters. I think it's going to be up to the writing and the show itself as to what happens with them after that. Uh-huh. It's it's really hard to say. Do I think they'll create any? I think they will attempt it. Is yep. the best I think I can say. I will say established. So we talk about beware the Batman a couple episodes or, you know, a few months back. I think you have to do the opposite of what that show did. Don't introduce us to the show with lesser known villains because you're going to lose people. Unfortunately, try Mm -hmm. to establish us the easy way. Get us to to buy into the nostalgia. Get us characters that and I'm not saying for me personally, I'm saying I think the general audience more. Bring them in with the characters we know and love already, and then throw us a you know a new character here and there. And I think maybe more people will be more forgiving of that if it doesn't work. But if you yep. start us off with a new villain first episode and it doesn't work, people might tune out, and that's what mm-hmm. you don't want. You don't want to try to win people back when you introduce the Joker and all that because that's what happened with Beware the Batman is they introduced Two Face in the second part, but people had already checked out by that point. Yep. Yeah, I think you I think you really have to start with a heavy hitter and then you can go into, you know, a creative direction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I hope so is my best answer for you, Lucas. But thank you so much for writing in. We really enjoyed that or I did. Um, that was that was a really fun email and kind of put us on our toes there. <laughs> well, it was a nice surprise for me because I didn't know we got those those emails. So that was cool. Thank you. Guys. Yeah. So they, there you go. All right, Joe. Well, that is a great place to kind of put a pin in it for this episode, but thank you so much for joining me again. This was fun and we had a lot of interaction with the listeners here. So great episode, Um, but why don't you let everybody know where they can find you out there on social media? You guys can find me on Twitter, X, Instagram, and Letterboxd as J411. And you can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornerato, F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O fantastic and as for myself you can find my personal accounts on instagram x and letterboxd at me carter 89 that's me carter 89 the show can be found on facebook instagram and x and threads at tfr bat pod if you're looking for a way to support the show uh, the best and easiest way to do that is to leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on 
you're looking for another way to support the show and we don't ask that you spend a dime on this show um, but if you'd like to we certainly appreciate it you can go to redbubble.com and search shop tfr all one word and find our logos created by justin kowalski on all kinds of merchandise there you can also send us emails that email address is tfrbatpod at gmail.com our theme song was composed by the very talented Gaurav Ventikeswar, and his music can be found at gvtunes.com. Make sure you go to the description of this podcast and visit Organic Price Books. Save yourself some money and support this show as you do so. That's going to do it, though, for this episode of TFR. Thank you guys so much for joining, and we'll catch you on the ne- next episode. But make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Comics, or DC Studios. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.